Thank you, choir, orchestra, all those who have participated this morning. You've been a blessing to us. I thank the uh, cheerleaders for being here. We had staff meeting this morning, and uh, Keith Watson was saying, they are the most beautiful girls you're ever going to see. And I think that he was probably right. Now, don't tell his wife that he said that, but uh, we are so glad that you're here, and thank you for coming today. Neil Strait wrote, Take from a man his wealth, and you hinder him. Take from him his purpose, and you slow him down. But take from him his hope, and you stop him. He can go on without wealth, and even without a purpose for a while, but he will not go on without hope. I think we all understand the importance of hope and probably we understand that you could not overestimate the importance of hope in a person's life. We have to have hope. Some of these young people probably have hopes of being married someday. That Prince Charming is going to come by. He is going to be handsome and kind and winsome and funny and smart. Now it happened to my wife and it can happen to you as well. And some of you guys probably think, well, one day I'm going to marry this girl. I want someone who has a a, a wonderful, pure heart. I want her to have a heart like Lottie Moon. Now, some of you may not know who Lottie Moon is. She was a missionary to China who literally starved herself to death, ministering to the people of China. And because of her, we have the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and I suppose through the years we have given billions of dollars to foreign missions because of the example that she set. And some of you guys will say, man, I want someone who has a heart like that. I want someone who has a heart like Lottie Moon. I want her to look like Miss America, but I want her to have a heart. We have to have hope. So we have hopes that someday we're going to meet someone and marry. Parents have hopes. They have hopes of their children growing up and being good people, godly people, Christians, good citizens. In fact, every time we have the the parent dedication, they bring their children. And I look into their eyes and I can see the hope that they're holding these babies. And they think this child is going to grow up and become a a follower of Christ. This child is going to grow up and become a good citizen. We, We have to have hope. Some of the students who are about to graduate, they'll graduate this year. They have hopes of getting a job. They're going to make a living. They're going to be able to buy some things, to do some things. So we have to have hope. Orson Marden wrote, there is no medicine like hope. No incentive so great and no tonic so powerful as expectation of something better tomorrow. Today I want to speak to you on the subject of hope. I'm going to use the passage of scripture that Wes used last week. He looked at the first part of it. Today we're going to look at the end of it. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 11. We'll begin reading in verse number 38. Jesus, therefore, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, if you believe, 
you will see the glory of God. And so they removed the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou heardest me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people standing around, I said it, that they may believe that thou didst send me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. As I look at this passage of scripture, the first thing I notice is that circumstances can diminish one's hope. The circumstances of life sometimes can diminish the hope we ought to have, and certainly that was true here. The sisters, Mary and Martha, had no hope concerning the future of Lazarus because Lazarus was dead. Jesus declared it in verse number 14. Then Jesus therefore said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. There's no euphemism here. There is no doubt here. Jesus declared, Lazarus is dead. No question about it. He isn't feeling poorly. He is dead. His sisters confirmed it in verse number 21. Martha therefore said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So the sisters confirmed that Lazarus had died. The townspeople acknowledged it in verse number 37. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of him who was blind have kept this man also from dying? So when I look at this, humanly speaking, there is no hope as far as Mary and Martha was concerned because their brother was dead. Now, I say that or I begin with that because of this. It is my guess that some of you have lost hope in your life. Maybe you've lost hope because of death, and death diminishes our hope concerning the future. I remember so well when my dad died because I was 20 years old at the time. He died suddenly. We didn't know anything was wrong with him. He had a heart attack and died. And all of a sudden, I am told that my dad is gone, and I am confused about my future. What am I to do? Should I continue in college? Should I continue studying? Or is it my responsibility since I was the oldest child? Was it my responsibility to help take care of the family? What was I to do? The point is because of death, my hope about the future was greatly diminished. And maybe some of you are at that same place. There's been a death of a loved one within your family and now then your hope concerning the future has been diminished. Disappointment can also diminish our hope. You'll notice in verse number 21, Martha therefore said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. As I read that verse, it seems to me that it is filled with disappointment. As Martha says to Jesus, Jesus, I'm so disappointed. Had you been here and I sent word, I, I, I had word sent to you. You had time to get here, but you didn't. I, I'm so disappointed. Disappointment can diminish our hope. 
The disappointment of the past oftentimes diminishes our hope concerning the future. Some of you have never married, and now then you've come to the place that you have concluded, I will never marry. I will spend all my life alone. Some of you have divorced, and when you look to the future, you only see a future of being alone. Some of you had no children, and so now you have concluded that I will never have children. I don't expect to. Some of you had children, and they did not turn out the way that you had prayed they would, that you hoped they would, and now you're disappointed in that as well. Professionally, life sometimes does not turn out the way we expect it to, and because of that, we become disappointed and lose our hope. My guess is there were some of you who look at your life professional at this stage and say, well, you know, I was, I was probably too fearful. You look back and say, I was too fearful to take the risks that were necessary for me to be successful. Or maybe I should have been bolder. When I had an opportunity to do something, I, I should have been bolder. And now it's too late. point that I share as we begin in this passage of Scripture is that Circumstances can sometimes diminish our hope. Things happen to us in life that causes us to lose hope. Sometimes it's because of death, sometimes it's because of disappointment, but for various reasons, our hope is diminished. But here's the good news. Our hope is not in circumstances, our hope is in Jesus Christ. You see, as I look at the sisters, Mary and Martha, there was a natural hopelessness. Their brother was dead. There's no other way to say it. Jesus said it plainly. Lazarus is dead. I think C.S. Lewis probably painted the best picture as to the way one feels when they have lost a loved one to death. His wife had died and he wrote, her absence was like the sky spread over everything. Seems that way, doesn't it? Whenever we lose someone to death, it seems that their absence is everywhere. They are gone, but their absence is everywhere. But even in death, Jesus gives us hope. In verse number 23, Jesus said to her, Your brother shall rise again. Isn't that wonderful? Here are these two sisters. Their brother has died and yet Jesus gives them hope. Even in death, he gives them hope. Our hope is not in the circumstances of life. Our hope is in the Lord of life. I look at Abraham. Abraham was a, a, an incredible man of hope. He, he was called on to sacrifice his son Isaac. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 22, verse number 2, and he said, take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Can you imagine the anguish of that father? God said to him, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son that you love. I want you to sacrifice him. I can't imagine that. As they trudged up Mount Moriah, Abraham and his son Isaac, 
walking together. Abraham must have walked with a burdened and broken heart knowing what he was about to do. And especially when Isaac turned to his father and said, Dad, we have the wood. We have the fire. Where's the sacrifice? And that must have pierced the heart of that father because he knew that Isaac was a sacrifice. How was he able to do that? How did he get hope? How did he have hope? even as he was called upon to sacrifice his own son. It was because he believed that God could raise him even from the dead if necessary. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 19, he considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead from which he also received him back as a type. He never lost hope because he believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead if necessary. Now you know that that is also a picture of God. That God the Father offered his son on Mount Moriah and raised him from the dead. He had hope because of his belief in God. Our hope must be in Christ regardless of circumstances. And folks, that's really what I sort of want to say to you today. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that there are people here and you're going through struggles. But I want you to know that you can have hope in Jesus regardless as to your circumstances. Gilbert Binkin wrote, Other men see only a hopeless end, but the Christian rejoices in an endless hope. Sometimes we struggle with hope during times of illness. We go to the doctor and the doctor does his work and I'm grateful for the doctors. I, I tease them, I have one and I tease them sometimes, but I'm so grateful for them. People who take care of us, people who treat us. But sometimes we go to the doctor and the doctor says there's nothing else I can do. And that's all that there is. But but God is sovereign and God has the last word. As much as I respect the doctors and love the doctors who take care of me, it is God who has the last word. I read the story recently about Naaman in the Old Testament. Naaman was a leper. He didn't have much hope because of his physical condition, because of his illness. He was a leper. He had a little slave girl who worked in his house and she said to him, there is a prophet in my country. If you go to him, he can cure you. And now all of a sudden, Naaman, who had no hope, has hope because of the man of God in her country. I've read the story of Bartimaeus, one of my favorite stories in the New Testament, a story of a blind beggar who sat outside the city of Jericho. He, he couldn't see. He was a beggar. As people would go by, he would cry out for alms. But one day, one day Jesus went by. And he had heard about Jesus. And so when Jesus went by, Bartimaeus began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now the people around him began to say, hey, you know, hush, you're making a scene here. Calm down a little bit. But the Bible says that he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, 
have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, bring him to me. And now then this beggar who was blind has hope because Jesus came by. No different today. Aldine Bassanio, you, you know Aldine, John Bassanio, pastor at First Baptist Houston. She has cancer, and she has been given a death sentence. The doctor says, you know, you only have so long to live. You know, she is the most amazing woman. She's not the only one. She is the most amazing woman. Every day, Linda talks with her about once a week. And she still has that hope. She still has that spirit. She still has that little girl's giggle even though she's in her 80s. Because she has hope in Christ. You see, our hope is not in the circumstances of life. Our hope is in the Lord of life. And sometimes we struggle when illness comes and they tell us there's nothing else we can do. But God is sovereign. God has the last word. Sometimes it is our relationship cause us to to lose hope. And I know that there are some of you who think, well, you know, I've lived for a long time now and I haven't married and I'm, I'm probably not, never going to get married. And you may or may not, I don't know. Even if you do, you might not be pleased with it. <laughs> but listen, just because you're the last flower in the garden doesn't mean you're gonna, not going to get picked. I don't know if you are or not, but I just want you to know that we are not hopeless. Some of you have lost hope concerning your children. Your, your children have not turned out. You've prayed for them. You've tried to set an example for them. You've done everything you know to do. And you've just about lost hope. But I want you to know that God gives us hope. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents, you just be faithful to plant the seed. Be faithful to plant the seed. Plant that seed. Plant the seed of God. Every time you have an opportunity, plant the seed of God in the hearts of your children. And then you trust the Lord to bring a harvest. There might be some meandering that goes on as they go along. Don't ever give up hope on them. Don't ever quit hoping because it is God who has promised us. Train up that child in the way. See, that's our responsibility. You as parents, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Some of you might have lost hope for someone being saved, someone that you love, and you want them to, to be saved. You want to see them in heaven, and you prayed for them, and you witnessed to them, but they're not saved. Don't give up hope. You know, uh, my friend Ronnie from Israel, I've witnessed to him. I pray for him. I love him. When he was here the last time, and he, I said, Ronnie, I'm still praying that you'll trust Christ. He said, I know you are. I still pray. I still pray for that. There are some people you pray for for a long time. But the Bible says, whoever will may come. So keep on praying and don't ever give up hope. If there's a loved one you have, someone you know, you want to see them saved, 
don't give up hope on them. Keep on praying for them. Christ provides our hope. And then God has given to us a covenant of hope. Now, the, the, the sisters heard three commands in the covenant of the Lord concerning their brother. The first is found in verse number 39. Jesus said, remove the stone. I tried to think of that. My, let's say that my brother has died. I am standing at the mouth of the tomb and Jesus says, remove the stone. I mean, hope begins to well up in your heart at that point. Remove the stone. My brother has died and here I am. And Jesus says, remove the stone. But then reason resists as it always does. In verse number 39, Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he's been dead four days. When Jesus said, remove the stone, I'm sure that there was hope that welled up in their hearts, but then reason took over and they said, He's been dead for four days. His body has already begun to deteriorate. And Lord, the tomb is filled with the stench of death. Remove the stone. And then in verse number 43, And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. You know, that would actually have been a cruel thing to say except it was Jesus who said it. You go to the tomb of someone who has been dead for four days, remove the stone, Lazarus come forth. And then verse 44, he who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings. And his face was wrapped around with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Jesus came to the tomb and said, Remove the stone. Lazarus come forth. And their hope was fulfilled because Lazarus came forth. They needed hope, and Christ gave them hope. I've looked at the story of David, and David needed hope. He had committed adultery with Bathsheba, all the things that had happened. He needed hope. The prophet Nathan went to him and said, David, you have sinned against God. And then in the 51st Psalm, David goes to the Lord and he begins to pour out his heart to God. If you want to read that, Psalm 51 is his prayer of repentance after it had been pointed out to him his sin. And there he cries out to God and he said, God, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Watch me. Cleanse me. And restore to me the joy of thy salvation. He needed hope and there he cries out to God, God, forgive me of my sin and restore to me the joy that I have lost. And God restored him when he repented. Elijah needed hope. He had been on Mount Carmel and there he called down fire from heaven. It was a great day of victory and then Jezebel threatened his life. 
And then immediately after that, the prophet of God who had had the tremendous display of the power of God is under the juniper tree in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord. Take my life for I'm not better than my father. You see, Elijah came there. He had come to a place of depression in his life and he's under the juniper tree and he's crying out to God and he said, God, just take my life. He had just called down fire from heaven. There was a tremendous display of the power of God and now we see him next in the next scene. Take my life. I'm not any different from anyone else. That's what he's saying. I'm just like my father's. I'm not any better than my father's. I'm just like everybody else. But you know what? God wasn't finished with him. Elijah felt that he was, but God wasn't finished with him. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15, And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazael king over Aram. Isn't that wonderful? Elijah is down there under the juniper tree and he says, God, I'm ready to die. Just take me on home. He was depressed, despondent, without hope. God said to him, Elijah, I'm not finished with you. There are kings for you to anoint. Now get out of here and go anoint those kings. I'm not finished. Some of you have lost hope. Some of you today are struggling. And as you look to the future, you really don't have any hope concerning it. I just simply want to say to you that our hope is in Jesus. And as long as he's on the throne, then we have hope. The Lord gives us hope, but then he fulfills it. He completes it. But here's the thing. My friend, you choose whether you will live in hope or without hope. That's your choice. Look at verse 44. He who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings. Now Jesus made him alive. He called him to life. And the Bible says that Lazarus came out of the tomb but he's wearing grave clothes. That's not right, is it? I mean, if you've been made alive, should you be walking around with the back out of your suit? No, you don't wear grave clothes if you've been made alive. Well, Lazarus has been called to life, but he still has on his grave clothes. My friends, some of you have been made alive in Christ, but you're still living in the grave clothes of yesterday. Still bound in sin, you feel helpless and hopeless in the face of temptation. Still bound in guilt. You've been forgiven by the Father, but you live as if you have not. Do you live as if you've been forgiven? Those are the grave clothes of the past. 
Some of you have been saved by the grace of God, but you still live in bound up in legalism. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. No, we've been saved by the grace of God. We don't live in legalism. Folks, I didn't, I, I could do nothing to get myself saved. I can do nothing to keep myself saved. There are a lot of people who believe that I can do nothing to get saved, but I have to do this to stay saved. No, neither one. It is by the grace of God. He saves us and he sustains us. Some of us are living lives of fear rather than lives of faith. It's unacceptable for us to live lives of hopelessness when we have hope in Christ. God completes what he promised in verse number 44b. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus went to the tomb of the dead and said, remove the stone. Lazarus, come forth. Unbind him and let him go. You know what Lazarus did after he came back to life? I'm going to Disney World. No. <laughs> you know what he did? He went to a party. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. He went to a party. The Lord called him forth. Now he is alive again, and he went to a party. And then he became a testimony of God's grace. In verse number 9 of chapter 12, the great multitude thereof of the Jews learned that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. He was a testimony to the power of God. I don't blame them. They said, you know, I, I want to see Jesus, but I want to see this man who died and is alive again. He was a testimony to the power of God. Jesus gives us life and he completes his purpose. The scripture says in Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, He who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you, will perfect it or complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Folks, when we come to Jesus Christ, he gives us hope of life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. That's his promise. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. We have the hope of freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And we have the hope of joy because joy is found in Christ. Let me conclude. Today we are offered hope regardless as to our circumstances in Christ. Hope of forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Hope of forgiveness. Hope of heaven. You've all heard the story so many times of John Newton, who was a slave trader, who became a Christian and a preacher and wrote the song we all know that is a testimony, I believe, of his life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I don't know your circumstances, but I know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Do you know him? You can if you're willing to put your faith in him. Our gracious Father in God, we thank you for the hope that is ours in Jesus. I pray for any Lord who does not know you that today they would. I pray, Father, for those who should make commitments to you. They're looking for church. Make them feel welcome here in Christ's name. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing. We extend an invitation. If you're without Christ, that you'd come to receive him, to join the church. We'd love to have you. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do.